Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. If you're a bivocational pastor, then this special Flash episode is just for you. I'm Pete Mitchell, and in between our regular Church Planner podcast episodes, I'll be bringing you insight and ideas to help our Bivo pastors have an easier and more profitable go at it. If you'd like more info on the training program specifically for bivocational pastors, you can check it out at missionbybusiness.com. This might be a little bit different video or podcast than what you're used to hearing or seeing from me. It's because I, I just had an experience and I got to share it with you. I don't, don't know where this is going to go. I'm just going to tell you about this experience and, and some of my initial thoughts and just kind of let you, you know, run from, from there. Take, take the ideas that I've got and, and go from there. So I literally just left the movie theater, just got back home, and I just saw a movie that, that really rocked me, and it rocked me in a lot of ways. The movie was called The Last Full Measure. I definitely highly recommend it. It's a great, great movie. So if you don't know what it's about, and I can honestly say, I totally thought it was about something completely different before I went. It's about uh, a guy who, uh, it's a, based on a true story. They, uh, he was a, a Vietnam airman and his friends wanted him to get the Medal of Honor, posthumously the Medal of Honor. He died in Vietnam, died at this, this battle. And <clears throat> it's their story. So it's their story of, you know, for 32 years trying to get him this medal and what happened. So the main character, his job is to do all the research, interview all the people who were there, uh, the guys on the ground and the airmen and, you know, everything. But what was what was so amazing was what this airman decided to do. So it was a really bad battle. I mean horrible, horrible battle, as if there's ever a good one. Well, this one was especially bad. And the uh, the unit was totally pinned down. They were surrounded by the VC, and they're uh, getting shot left and right. 
unfortunately, you find out in the movie that one of the main characters, um, he ordered uh, a military strike and he did his calculation wrong. And he's responsible for friendly fire. He was responsible for uh, really the reason why the airman was there. And, uh, and so he just was, you know, totally torn up about that, obviously. I mean, you know, he's responsible for his own guys getting killed. At least three immediately, and who knows how many afterwards, uh, who were injured at the Viet Cong, came and killed. And so the airman, uh, he decides, hey, you know what? Their medic is injured. We're taking the medic. I need to go down there and help them. So he goes down to help. And it's just so bad, he can't leave. He's like, there's no way I can leave. And all these other guys are like, why is this guy coming down here? If any of us could leave, we'd totally leave. He's the one guy who can leave because that's his crew. And they're going to take him back. And he won't leave. And so it's really just this whole story and the parents are, are, you know, uh, the, the, the dad has got cancer. He doesn't have long to live. And so that's, you know, part of the reason why they, you know, his friends all want him to, to get the medal of honor because, you know, before dad dies, you know, they, they never changed his room, uh, since he went to Vietnam, nothing. Right. But here's the reason why it rocked me so hard, man, as I'm watching this movie, Everybody who is there, everybody is jacked up 32 years later. They're jacked up because it's war. They're jacked up because of what they saw. They're jacked up because of what they did. They're jacked up because of the evil that they perpetrated and was perpetrated against them. War is bloody. It is nasty. It is not in any way good or fun. I mean, the guys who, who go to war, and some of you guys I know who listen to the podcast and watch these videos, I know you've been to war. We've been in the longest war our nation's ever had. And it's not ended. In fact, I just heard the other day, you know, more, more people died in Afghanistan. Uh, U.S. soldiers died in a firefight. And these guys are just jacked up. In fact, one guy... Uh, he, um, he cannot sleep at night. And keep in mind, this is 32 years later. He can't sleep at night. So he only sleeps during the day because of just the memories, everything that happened in Vietnam. And, uh, there's a scene in it, man. There is a scene that is so powerful. It will remind you of Goodwill hunting. So if you remember Goodwill hunting, Robin Williams and Matt Damon, they're in Robin Williams' office. You remember that scene where Robin Williams is like, it's not your fault. Matt Damon is like, I know. Robin Williams goes, it's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. I know. It's not your fault. Not you too, Sean! Not you too! Right? And then Matt Damon just totally just breaks down and is, is just crumbling, right? Because he's always just put up this front. And someone's finally just like digging in, digging in, digging in. There's a scene like that where two of the main characters are in front of the uh, Vietnam War, War Memorial. And it's that same scene. And the shame 
the shame that this guy had for 32 years just comes bubbling to the surface. And I'm watching this movie and I'm thinking, now, of course it's a Hollywood movie, so there's no mention of God in it. There's no mention of, of anything like that. And I'm thinking as I'm watching this, man, the only thing that can, can be, bring about the healing that all these guys are looking for is Jesus. That's the only thing that will bring these guys the healing that they're looking for. I mean, they're trying everything else. One guy is doing a lot of great stuff. But uh, at least in the movie, they make him out to be more of a Buddhist than a uh, than anything else. And I'm just sitting there looking at that going, man, if they just knew about Jesus. That was the part that really got to me. Now, I know some of our, our guys who listen to the podcast and watch these videos. I know that they do a lot in the military community. In fact, I can think of one guy right now specifically who's got a church plant specifically for the military community. Uh, he's doing it out of uh, Virginia, if I remember correctly. Um, I know we've got other guys who are uh, ex-military. And so they got a special place in their hearts for the guys in the military. In fact, when I was in college, one of my uh, housemates uh, had been a Navy SEAL and then went to Biola University, which is a college that I went to. He went to that using his, uh, you know, the, the GI scholarship or whatever that's called. And um, <clears throat> I remember him telling us, now, when he was active duty before college, we weren't at war. So he, he used to, like, say with a twinkle in his eye, hey, uh, we weren't at war when I was a Navy SEAL. So everything I did was a training mission. And we were always like, why does, why does when he say that, we, we think they did stuff, but they just can't admit that they did it, right? Because the way he said it. But he used to, to love to walk point. And he goes, I, I actually am glad that I'm enlisted because I get to walk point. I mean, no one wants to walk point, right? I mean, that's the first guy to get shot. And he goes, I love these guys. And usually the guy who walks point is the first guy to get shot. And if I get shot, then that'll at least clue them in. Hey, the enemy's right here. Maybe they'll get the chance to live a little bit longer and come to know Jesus. Like that was his reason for wanting to walk point. That's how much he loved those guys. So all of this just brings me back to when Dave Negri and I, we did a, a podcast a couple weeks back, and he said one of the most profound things. He goes, one of the, the worst things that we do is we believe a lie. And then that lie becomes our truth. But it's still a lie. And I think about that in terms of our Bivo pastors and the lie that I think is so prevalent in our church, in, in our nation, in our, our Western civilization. The lie is you do less when you're a part-time minister than the full-time minister. And we start to believe that. And we're like longing for that day when we're in full-time ministry. We're longing for the day when, you know, hey, I got the brass ring, man. You know, I was finally good enough to be the senior pastor and, and get a, a full-time check from the church. Now, I'm not saying that that's not a valuable thing, that God doesn't use full-time ministers. Of course he does. Don't be ridiculous. That's not what I'm saying. But it's a lie to think that you're somehow less than because you're in quote-unquote part-time ministry? 
Dude, you are on the front lines. You are in the trenches. You work with people who don't know Jesus. You employ people who don't know Jesus. Your boss might be someone who doesn't know Jesus. Your your uh, customers and clients and patients are who you're getting in touch with every day don't know Jesus. You're more front lines than the full-time guy who spends four hours a week in front of other Christians. Not saying that that's not a valuable thing, right? I always got to say that because I get so much hate mail. But what I am saying is you are front lines. Don't believe the lie that you're less than. You're not less than. There are so many people who are hurting out there. I mean, I shared this several weeks ago. You know, I'm part of this mastermind group, really high-end mastermind group. I mean, everyone in there is like a seven-figure earner. I mean, they're just really, really successful. And they are jacked up. It's like the it's like the the best kept secret, except in the group, right? Because in the group, everyone just admits how jacked up they are, and they're like, "Oh, finally, a place where I can go and talk to people about how jacked up I am." And I mean, they're doing ayahuasca and you know uh, MDMA and uh, uh, LSD and everything else to like get rid of this trauma in their life. Trauma is like the the hip word that they all use because they got all this shame, they got all this hurt, they got all this pain in their lives. And I'm hearing all this and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you need Jesus. And you don't know that yet. And in that case, I'm thinking, I may be the only person who you ever meet who can tell you about Jesus because I'm seen as one of their peers. That's what you get to do as a Bible pastor. You know, I've shared it before in these videos. Uh, Paul Percy, you know, he he talked about on one of the Facebook posts about how, uh, you know, he works at a, a supermarket. And, you know, one of his coworkers used to make fun of him. Oh, you're a Jesus lover. Oh, you're a pastor. Oh, you're this. Next thing you know, he starts to become friends with the guy. The guy starts asking him questions. The guy starts asking him, hey, will you pray for me? And next thing you know, like... Paul's being invited to his house to bless the house because they just got done with the remodel. He's the only non-family member that's invited. Why? It's because he's Bivo. It's because he's in the trenches every day. It's because he's frontline ministry. All right, we used to say at Refuge Long Beach that uh, Refuge Long Beach was the last stop before eternity for a lot of people. I mean, I don't even know how many people died who went to Refuge when I was there, right? We had, I don't know how many overdoses, uh, Ruben's own brother gets shot by the cops, right? The cops warned him the week before, hey, if we see you back here again, we're going to shoot and kill you. The next week, they 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 did it. I know we're not supposed to say anything bad about the cops, but they literally murdered Ruben's brother, right? I mean, nothing ever happened to them because they're cops, right? You don't do anything bad to cops. You know, we got to back the badge and all that crap. Dude, I'm telling you, man, you might be someone's last stop before eternity. That's all I want to leave you with in this video. I just, I just don't want you to believe the lie that you're somehow less than or not as good as or anything like that when it comes to what you do as a bivocational minister. What you do is front lines. What you do is in the trenches. As Peyton and I would say on the podcast, you are going where no one else is going and you are doing what no one else is doing. And I thank you for what you do for the kingdom. I'll talk to you guys later.